You're listening to the Got Game University podcast. This podcast puts you in the classroom and lets you learn from some of the best hunters and callers in the woods. Hi, this is Taylor and Ryan with Got Game Tech. Got Game Tech is a software development company that builds mobile apps that teach hunters how to call and hunt different animals. The first episode of the Got Game University podcast features Taylor, Ryan, and the elk nut, Paul Medell, where they introduce the elk nut series. This series focuses on helping the -the over-the-counter, public land, do-it-yourself elk hunter work every bull they encounter in the woods. All right, well, welcome everyone to the first installment of the Elk Nut series on the Got Game Technologies podcast. This is Taylor Tibbetts. I'm here with uh, my colleague, Ryan Smith, and we're super excited about having Paul Medell, the Elk Nut, on and, and uh, super excited about this this podcast series that we're starting. Paul, how you doing tonight? Oh, real good, man. I, I really appreciate you guys uh, asking me to be a part of this, and, and, and I really look forward to it. You know how much I enjoy talking about elk. Oh, absolutely. You know, and those... Those listeners probably know that Got Game Tech. We partnered up with with Paul to build the Elk Nut mobile app, and we're working on this podcast series to continue to explore and extrapolate uh, lots of elk hunting information and, and uh, really break things down. The the approach that we want to take with this podcast series is to help over the counter do it yourself elk hunters have the opportunity to work every bull that they encounter in the woods. And and from from Paul's experience, there's just there's just no one better in our minds to uh, to help folks get that wisdom and knowledge that they need and be able to to find that success and understand what's going on. Yeah, yeah. If you listen to Paul, he he always talks about how he hunts every bull. You know, he just doesn't hunt the bulls over here. He doesn't listen for the big ones. He hunts every bull. He wants to kill every bull, and it's you know by doing that he's learned a lot of good skills that can help everybody. We like the big bulls too, though. Yeah, oh, no. Oh, we see the bulls. Yeah, they're all big. No. Yeah, of, isn't that true? They're all trophies, that's for sure. Yeah, a lot of the listeners that that encounter uh, with the elk in close range is just what keeps us coming back every time. And I guess whether or not someone pulls the trigger on a certain certain bull depends on on their approach. But being able to understand what's going on and call those elk in and have that encounter is pretty amazing. Well. You know, let's, we can talk about this all day, but everybody list, wants to listen for, you know, listen to Paul and uh, you know what he has to say about elk. So let's get started with the first question and let's listen to Paul. So Paul, uh, you know, you have answers for everything, but one of the first questions that come to our mind is, you know, that first day when you're going hunting, you're you kind of hike into your spot. You're a couple miles back in the woods, and the light comes up. Uh, what is your first approach on those elk? I mean, what are you doing to locate them? I mean, what are you doing, you know, that first day of the season when you're kind of trying to find where they're at? Well, you know, I don't wait till I get in there for two miles for one thing or whatnot. I mean, I'm calling right from the rig, and and so I'm looking for where elk are, not you know, not where I want them to be. And so, yeah, I'm calling right from the time I pull over and, and, and start my hunt. And, uh, if I bugle two or three times and I don't receive a response, which I would say in most cases you do not in, in the real world, 
Mm-hmm. I we we start trekking up, but I'll tell you what one of the things that makes a difference is how I approach this. Is it an area I've hunted before? Is it one I'm familiar with? If it is, I know where the elk usually are. If it's an area I've hunted for you know five years or for thirty years, I know where they're generally at. And if they're not there, they're not there. So calling at a lot of different spots at that time is really meaningless to me because they're never in these other spots. So I do wait until I get to them or I go in silent enough hoping that they'll sound off on their own. If they don't, I will try to fire them up. It doesn't matter to me if it's August the 25th or September the 25th. I'm going to treat every day the same. I'm looking for elk. Uh, whether, like I say, whether they respond or whether I have to, to uh, ignite them. But I'm going to call right there at dark. If I'm leaving an hour before light, 45 minutes, whatever, I'm calling from there. And the next time I call will be where I couldn't have heard from my last bugle. So it, it's not like, oh, I'm calling every 200 yards. No, I'm calling from a spot that, okay, when I call the second time, a second station, it's there's no way I could have heard anything from where I bugled last. And sometimes it's a half a mile away or more because the expanse is huge and you can see way out there. Other times, man, it might be three or four hundred yards because it's so dense and I've just went over a knob or through some undulation, you know, where the terrain breaks and I couldn't have heard something up this other drainage or up a finger. So that's what dictates where I'm going to call, when I'm going to call or how much. But one thing that doesn't change a lot is my sounds of use. Mm-hmm. I'm really, you know, it, when I say it doesn't change a lot, what that means is it can change, but mm. it doesn't change a lot. I'm usually using a location bugle as I'm moving through, especially if it's uh, 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 the opener. And let's say it's an area I'm familiar with. So I'm actually heading to uh, a spot. And if they're not there, I have another spot and another spot, and another spot that I'm going to try. It's, it, I don't have one spot that if nothing's there, I return back to the rig in 45 minutes. You know, I'm going to keep venturing out uh, because you just, sometimes there are times you just don't know where those elk are. And But but usually you have a pretty good indication because, you know, of past hunts there. But once I hear an elk, that's what I'm listening for. I don't care what he says or how he says it. I'm listening to the emotion of the bull. The emotion of the bulls, his sound, will tell me what his mindset is. And that's how I'm going to try to tailor my calling to that bull. That's interesting, Paul. Do you find in the responses that you're getting from the bulls that that they're similar at different times of the season or at different times of the rut? Are you kind of expecting a, a less excited or energized bull early season and a, a more fired up one later in the season? Or does it just depend on the bull? Well, yeah, it it doesn't. I wouldn't say it depends on the bull so much as it depends on the cows. Mm-hmm. The cows are the ones that really can get the bulls going and get them fired up. Uh, you know, as they come into estrus, when you have no cows coming into heat, it really doesn't matter what the date is. The bulls just aren't fired up. I mean, I'm not saying they won't bugle, but there's not that aggressive action. There's not the competition type bugling when you have a cow coming into heat. So, you know, this is why. I try to tailor my calling to the bull. What if it's August the 27th and I hear one single bugle? That's it. Nothing else. You see, I can't treat that bull the same as I would one on September the 15th. There's three or four bulls bugling and they won't shut up on their own. You see, that's a totally different uh, encounter. 
So I have to treat that one different as I treat this one different. And the one bull that I heard bugle, it doesn't matter if he's a herd bull or satellite. I have to treat him with what his mindset is or his emotional level is right there. What I guess what's the best ways to, you know, as new elk hunters or people that haven't listened to a lot of bulls, what's the best way to pinpoint that emotion when they're listening to these sounds? Go you with know. the slow play. <laughs> the, the slow play breeding sequence is going to be your best friend out there. You know, there, there's a lot of ways to hunt elk. So what we just talked about right there was we, we have a vocal bull. Okay. So we don't need to really go to a blind or cold calling sequence, correct? We already have right. a bull that just okay. sounded off. Yep. So we know he's there. Cold calling uh, type sequences or blind calling are generally used, not always, but generally used because you're not hearing anything. Maybe you're in elk sign. And even mm. if you're not in elk sign, maybe you're in an area where your sound will cover pretty darn far. And so those can be good setup times if a person is just trying to call in elk. And, and when I'm in areas like that, especially early on, I might troll with something like that if I had an inclination to do it. What I mean is, is I'm going to set up and do a calling situation for a half hour or so. If nothing's happening, I may move a half a mile to three quarters of a mile and do it all over again. You see, right. because so I'm trolling for him. I'm trying to find him. I didn't find him here, so now I'm going to look over here. And for a newer hunter, if all they want to do is just kill an elk, there is no better way. There is no better way than trolling for elk with a cold calling sequence. You use a lot of excitement with the with the cow calling, very sparingly with the bugle. All you're doing is introducing a bull with it, but basically you're really doing a lot of the cow calling and a lot. And because elk are herd animals, guys, we all know that. And because of that, this can interest any elk that hear this, hear these sounds. And, 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 and this is what can produce an, an action upon them to want to come over your way to check out who these elk are. Since elk know each other by sound, sight, or smell, they will not recognize your sounds. But they know all the other elk around them in that area. So they need to know this. And so this is what can bring them over your way. And it may take time. You have to allow things to develop. Elk aren't always on a dead run to you because they heard an elk sound. Right. No, they just kind of make their way over. Sometimes other days, they do come running in out of nowhere. You know, so there's just nothing written in stone there. But as far as an early season type thing, that is one of the reasons why you would use a cold calling. But if I got a bull to bugle, the slow play, in my opinion, is is the way to call that bull in. And, 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 and just to show you why is, is, is we see a lot of videos out there today, you know, a lot of the YouTubers and stuff, and you'll see that situation arise a lot, but yet they're not calling that bull in is not only are they not calling men, they don't know how to call them in. They don't know how to tailor the calling for that lethargic, lazy bed bugle or whatever that what's on that bull's mind. And so that is where. I really have focused all my energies over the years because when bulls are aggressive and screaming anywhere, anybody can hunt them. But it's these yeah. other bulls, you see, that we come across at times that oh, yeah. so, they so don't know what to do with them. Right, right. So in addition to the kind of the sound of their bugle that they make, are there other context clues that you pick up on that kind of help you read the situation besides just that elk? 
Uh, you know, it's tough on one bugle, to be honest with you. It really is. Uh, you know, because if a bull's aggressive, I've had bulls in, at the end of August just screaming because they there was a cow in heat. And so cows can come in uh, in August. Don't think they won't. They really can. And, and, and there's there are years. It seems like about every third year that we get into, uh, you know, August, the, the, the 28, 29, 30. I mean, right. I mean, they're just screaming. They, and then all of a sudden, September 10th comes and you, you, you couldn't buy a sound. Right. So you just you just never know from year to year. So we will take each sound as it comes our way. And I'll tell you something. When we hear a bugle, that bull's in trouble. I mean, there's none of this four or five or six bulls to try to yeah. call one in. Is is I, I, I'm I'm a I'm, I'm I'm very tough on the bulls when I get out there and I hear that one bugle. I mean, I don't give up very easily. And, and, and when I say that is that means I'm, I'm trying to put all my ducks in a row. I'm trying to really monitor the wind. I'm trying to monitor the cover. I'm trying to monitor about where he is on that mountain where he called from. Because, you know, a bull could call 150 yards away or half a mile away. Right. You see? And I don't care what sound I make. He won't say anything in return. That's the type of bull I'm talking about. Yeah, there's those bulls that you do call back, whether you cow call or bugle or whatever, and he responds right back. Right. Well, what about the bulls that don't? And those are the ones that most hunters have a real tough time with. They don't know if the elk took off or left the country or if they scared it or is it just sitting there doing nothing and doesn't care. And right. so my main inclination in the back of my mind is – the only way I can excite this bull and get him to come my way is I need to really play on his instincts to breed. That's what I have to do. And this is an easy thing. It's easy to say, and all you have to do is make this sound, this sound, and this sound. But you have to do it in a very organized manner. You must do it in a way that fits. And so once I start playing on that instinct to breed, I start arousing his testosterone level is what I'm doing. And I do it very slowly. And, 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 and in doing that, I honestly can tell you that I can call, I can be on eight bulls and I'll call between seven and eight of them in almost a hundred percent. I mean, you're not doing it every time, but I mean, six out of eight, it's pretty automatic. You really are calling this many in, but you're not just calling them in, in five minutes. I mean, or one minute, some of these take time, but, uh, and, and I've, and I've noticed this over the years as I've gotten older to, to be patient and to realize they haven't gone anywhere. They're mm -hmm. right there. I know they're there. I don't. And most of these bulls that were calling in like this, they usually are around 150 to 200 yards away. And, and we suck them in all the way. And so it's not like, oh, you have to be much closer. That's, that's a totally different atmosphere when you're working a herd bull with cows and she, he has a hot cow. Now, I'm not going to work that bull 200 yards away. It's too right. far. Right. I will not net good results. And so – you know, see, there, it's a different process. It's a different set of sounds. It's a different set of aggressive action. And so once you start realizing the balance in there, when how to play a specific bull by just his sound, that is when it's a game changer. Right. Well, I think that's a great scenario that a lot of elk hunters encounter. I can think of probably five or six times that happened to me last year. And the stats are just the opposite for a lot of guys out there. Instead of calling in seven or eight out of eight, it's zero or one out of eight, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, if, if that. So so let's say you're in that situation, Paul, and you hear that one bugle and it's not responding, um, you know, to anything, basically. 
what do you what's the what's your move there to start that slow play process okay since i let's let's uh you know there's nothing automatic here so Mm -hmm. so so what happens a lot of times is let's get in a real life situation of when we're out there so we hear let's just say we're going up there and we're working off a bugle now we're working off we heard something but what if that something is way out there and I mean, we know we heard him and maybe it's my son and I, or maybe it's you and Ryan and you guys are both looking at each other. Where was it? And Ryan says, it's over there. And you're going, no, I think it was over here. It was so far. It's like, no, yeah, well, maybe it's somewhere up there. We know that, but we can't get him to say anything. And <laughs> right. so we're unsure of not only the distance, but the actual direction. So how do you handle that bull? You see, that's a totally different uh, scenario. So when I'm in that situation and I'm unsure where he is, I don't know if I'm getting too close or if I'm still too far away and I've already went four or 500 yards and I don't know where he is. He never All said right. anything. Am right. I, so do I want to inject a slow play technique? Well, if he's 250 yards or more or whatnot and, you know, depending on the cover, he's probably not even going to hear me. So right. I don't know where he is. And so I don't want to go through a sequence that this bull will never hear and never, you know, there's not going to be a physical appearance. Yeah. yeah. He can't hear me. It's like you looking for Ryan and he went one way and you went another and you're just kind of, you know, talking at a, maybe a little bit over normal voice. He's just never going to hear you. But if you start yelling, raising your voice way up, it's going to carry further. And maybe now you guys can contact each other. You can hear one another. So if I'm in that situation with with an elk, with a bull, my slow play isn't going to be my go-to sequence because I don't think he can hear me. That's just my gut feeling. I don't think he can. And so not much positive is going to happen. So I'm going, going to go straight to an advertisement sequence. I'm going to go straight to something that has a lot of volume and a lot of distance. And I'm going to try to either get a response from him or I'm going to suck him all the way down over to where I am. And, 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 there's a reason you have to know why this can take place. If you just tell somebody, oh, you just got to go out there and bugle and he'll come in. That doesn't do anything for their ego or for, or for their positive confidence that something good can happen here. You have to let them know why this can work. How does the bull view these sounds? Why does he react to them? Those are the things that you can sink your teeth into and then you know why something works and when something doesn't work. Right, right. Awesome. So, Paul, you've talked about a lot of different sequences and, you know, different uh, strategies to go on after these bulls. When you hear that bull, how much time do you feel like you have to decide what you're doing and make a plan? You know, sometimes we kind of, definitely myself, you know, I feel like I get in a hurry, you know, I, and sometimes I get in a hurry, I make wrong decisions. I guess, what, how much time do you take to really listen to that sound, make a plan and then go at it. Well, it depends on the on the on the area that I'm hunting. It can depend on the time of day. If <clears throat> if I'm hunting some really dark timber, and it's dark timber everywhere, there's a good chance the odds are really high that the elk you're hearing that live in that area don't go anywhere. Most of the time, when you're hunting really extreme, steep, benchy type of country, and there's really uh, a fair amount of water no matter where you go in those areas there's good bedding there's little pockets of feed you know elk don't need five or 20 acres to feed on they can feed on something the size of a pickup truck if it's good feed in there and there's just sporadic little spots like that so what happens is is these elk will bed and feed in the same proximity 
Meaning, no matter where you went in that little area, whether you're a quarter mile one way or a quarter mile the other or up or down, those elk stay right in that vicinity. So I know that they can hear me no matter what all the time. So the time of day really doesn't matter because they're always right in there until they pick up and leave that area in two or three weeks or some or pressure pushes them out or predators. So I take those things into consideration. What is the type of area that I'm hunting? Now, if I'm hunting much more open terrain, maybe little pockets of timber and a lot of open sagebrush or just, you know, tall grasses, those elk are moving. When those elk are feeding in an area, they're probably going to go anywhere from a half a mile to two miles away. So now they're in transition. So I know those elk are not going to feed in bed in that same spot. So what if it's eight o'clock in the morning and I catch the catch that bugle? He's probably on the move. So I'm going to have to dog that guy. You see, he's not where he wants to be yet, so I can't work him the way I want to work him. It doesn't mean you can't ever bring an elk back to where he came from, but it's extremely difficult. He just doesn't like it. It, Everything would, all the stars would have to line up for this to happen. And in most cases, if you try to call elk where they just came from and they're on the move, you will lose out time and time and time again. I don't care how great a caller you are. You you can cow call and you can bugle and you can threaten him and you can slow play him. He's not going to want to come back. They have a destination in mind and that's where they're going to go. And once they get there, that's where I'm going to kill them. And so, and I know that. And so I don't try to pressure that guy as he's on the move like I would if he was in his bedding area or in the, in the area feeding bedding where he never leaves that spot. So, you know, there's, there's things that come into play here. There's nothing there that just says, that's why the, the you know the, the the rate to take an elk and over the counter units are less than ten percent. You have a million hunters out there. I mean, you have way more than that throughout the states, but yet the success the success rates are less than ten percent. As a matter of fact, some areas are only four or five percent, and they carry some of these areas you know because some are a little better than others. There's more elk, but the point is that's how important it is to tailor your calling to that bull it just is so so important you know otherwise you're just going to push things all over the country you really are and you're, and you're going to have a hard time filling a tag right right so if you're dogging a bull paul it's eight o'clock and how, how do you keep tabs on them i guess i mean maybe you've hunted the area before and you kind of know the bedding area but what if you don't do you, do you try right. to keep sounding back and forth with them or and they kind of tend to at least from our experience it seems like they kind of quit talking when they're walking to their bedding area yeah you know there it, it depends on what's going on obviously if there's a hot cow in the mix or a cow coming right. in to heat then that that's a game changer they they usually stay fairly vocal but those are easy to pick out because you'll have multiple bulls usually you know that are following this group and they're talking back and forth back and forth you can see the bull is warning the warning the the, the satellites or subordinate bulls to stay back and and and, and a subordinate bull and a satellite bull are one and the same they're mm-hmm. a non-herd bull they they could be a herd bull, but they're not right at that at that moment, you see. So he's warning them to stay back. The satellites are basically trying to call the hot cow. They're not trying to challenge and beat up the herd bull. That is not their intent. No matter who wants to think that, that's really not what, what's taking place. These bulls are, are have the same urges as the herd bull do. And so they know that cow is in heat, not only from the bull's uh, vocalizations of, of being defensive, but those bulls can smell the pheromones that those cow or that cow is exhibiting. As she comes into estrus, she will have an airborne chemical 
known as a pheromone that will hit the atmosphere, whether she sweats it out through her tongue or through urination. But this pheromone will hit. And this is one of the most powerful scents out there that can attract satellites coming from every direction. Just like a, a female dog can attract male dogs from different directions and, a, you know, a mile or more away and have dogs come around you've never seen before. This is what happens with the elk. This is what alerts them that there's a cow coming in. And so as these bulls start congregating around there, how do they know what cow is in heat? What if this bull has six cows or 20 cows? They don't know. Those right. satellites, how do they know? They have no yeah. clue which one it is. So they sing out. They advertise themselves. They try to emit dominance and strength in their bugle, trying to attract that hot cow out of there to come and consider them as a breeder bull, especially as she starts nearing the breeding time. She can she can emit this pheromone uh, airborne chemical, you know, 24 hours before she's ready to be bred. So there's a lot of excitement and bugling and competition and rutting going on at that time. So as opposed to a bull that has cows and he's saying very little, it shows you there's no hot cow there. So I really need to play on that bull's instinct to breed. If I can find him and know where he's going, I'm going to either have to get over. If he's not saying anything, what's my next best move is I need to get up to where they just left from and try to follow their tracks. I mean, that's just obvious is you're going to if, and if you got a, quite a few elk, it's not going to be hard to follow them. They're going to have the ground all tore up and they're spread around a little and they're moving. And, and, and as they move, you're looking at the terrain ahead of you. You're looking at, oh, okay, those elk are probably going to be somewhere over in this area to bed. And if I don't know where it is because it's new country, but I know it's somewhere over in here, I may sit there and, and just listen. I get close enough that I can hear because I don't want to really start a calling sequence unless I saw them go into a pocket of timber or something and didn't come out. Now I know they're in there or I hear them and I hear their sounds maybe sporadic and very few, but they're all coming from the same spot over a period of a half an hour or whatever. It shows me they're where they want to be. They're not on the move anymore. Now I can move to the peripheral of that area. I don't need to get in there where they're at. I just need to get on the outskirt and try to suck him out of there. Now, if I can call him out of there, I have a chance to kill him. But if I don't call him out of there and I don't know exactly where he is, I'm not going to go sneaking through and try to Indian my way in and shoot him with a bow and arrow. I'm just not going to do that. I will leave that bull alone if I have to and back out of there. But from past experience, from so many years of elk hunting, I can tell you the odds are really, really high to suck that bull out of there, even though he doesn't have a hot cow. You can still do it. And, 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 and so I have to use and inject a method that is going to pull him out and not hit cows, spikes, and something I'm not interested in. So I have to tailor my calling to him. A cold calling sequence right there would be dangerous because I would pull more cows and spikes out, the unwanted. You see, because they're the, oh, there's so many more of them. So I have mm -hmm. to dictate my sounds that gets his goat. And, and, and so you see what I mean? There's things that you're working towards. And to say, oh, you don't need to know this or you don't need to know all that. Oh, yeah, you do. If you want to uh, approach and attract every single bull out there, you better be able to play the game that is going to interest him, not what you want one sound or sequence to interest every elk out there, because we know that just doesn't work. And, and statistics show us that most people already do that and look at the, the you know, look at the success rate. Again, it's way under 10 percent. Mm -hmm. And so we already know that that's not the formula, whereas, you know, us, the elk nut people between my son and I, at least one of us kill a bull every single year 
And, and, and as a matter of fact, we've actually killed two and three uh, in certain years. So our average is actually well over 100 percent in, right. in the last 29 years. And these are the techniques that we use. You see, that actually puts meat in the freezer and horns on the wall, man. I mean, it just flat works. I want sure. I want individuals to appreciate, you know, what 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 Taylor and Ryan and myself have in mind here. We really want to try to show all you hunters out there how to be successful, how to try to call in every single bull you come across. It, it, you know, and, and, and don't, don't think it's going to be automatic. This is kind of a process. And, and, and but by taking this information and we're going to talk about chuckles, we're going to talk about grunts, all the different sounds cows and bulls make and what the message is being sent so that when we make sounds out there that we're making sense to the elk and we want to cover all these things. And so there, it's going to be quite a quite a vast uh, amount of information. And I think that it's going to uh, it's going to be something that everybody's going to be able to sink their teeth into and want to soak it up like a sponge because this information that, that we're going to share is actually going to give you that edge that you need hunting these over-the-counter bulls that see pressure and the over-the-counter bulls, maybe you bivy in it, that don't see as much pressure. But this information will be deadly whether you're an over-the-counter hunter or you hunt a lot of draw units. But we just want to let people know that, that we – are trying to put our minds together and to make this one of the most effective tools that you will ever sink your teeth into. And you're right. I do want to, uh, to leave a, a question to the individuals that, that listen to this. So think about this question. We know bulls make a lot of different sounds. Would a bull, whether it's a satellite or herd bull, ever use a challenge bugle towards a cow? On our next episode, we will actually answer this question and the reasons why yes or no is the answer. I like it. That's, That's a, a good, good question. question. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thanks again, Paul. We're super excited about it. Appreciate you uh, being willing to share this information. Like you said, this is going to be hopefully a game changer for everyone who chooses to listen. So we'll uh, look forward to talking to everybody here in the next little while. All right. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks again, Taylor and Ryan. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.